Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Email me your thoughts, questions, opinions, feedback, adoration, and praise. Todd at ToddHuffShow.com is that email, and it's good to be here. Thank you for joining us this morning. Um... So, I was looking last last night doing some some show prep here. I want to start this morning um, by talking about something I saw from well, it was an article on Vox. Nope, I'm wrong. It was Huffington Post, HuffPost.com. No relation, by the way, no relation to yours truly. HuffPost.com. Um, this was trending last night on Twitter, and I just – I find this interesting. Um, I find it interesting because this is, I, I think, a regular tactic that happens in the media and from the radical left headline here. GOP lawmakers tweet suggests he's mad that U.S. intercepted fentanyl at the border. So – it's Representative Andy Biggs. He's a congressman in the state of Arizona, and he is he tweeted this out yesterday. Let me roll down here. Here's the tweet. It says this, under Joe Biden, enough fentanyl to kill 238 million Americans was seized at the southern border last month. Where's the outrage in the media? So people on on Twitter, the left and other um, – well, the left was retweeting or responding to this tweet, things like this. Apparently we should be outraged that, quote, enough fentanyl to kill 238 Americans was stopped from getting into the country. Now, obviously, he <laughs> – this is this headline here. Again, the headline says the tweet suggests he's mad that U.S. intercepted fentanyl at the border. I've had Andy Biggs. He's been on this program before a while ago. Um, he's a he's a conservative. He's a limited government guy. Um, he clearly wasn't rooting for the fentanyl to reach the streets of the United States of America. What he's pointing out here. What he's trying to point out here, and they know this, and I'm not saying it was the best tweet. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but this is a tactic that's often used by the media and the left. Um, in fact, I'm going to use a term that Rush often had. Rush used a term that uh, my wife thought was fantastic, the wizards of smart. The wizards of smart, that's what the left basically sets them up to, them, themselves up to be. They're so smart. The rest of us are idiots. You're dumb. 
we're smart, and you're actually rooting for, they say. I have no idea why that decides to go off there. (laughs) But you're smart. They're smart. We're idiots. And, you know, you're just going to have to, I guess, stop being idiots. But clearly what he's saying here, and this is, I guess, the point, the reason there's been so much fentanyl stopped at the border is because it's because there is a, there are a lot of people coming across the border and the reason there are a lot of people coming across the border is because we have an administration that has encouraged people to come across the border with policies and i mean this is this is not deniable right i mean the southern border is a is is a sieve it is it's not even a sieve it's more like a it's closer to open than it is simply to a a sieve and so people are bringing drugs of course we have people on the border still not nearly enough um we stopped actually the, the administration started quietly resuming some of the um removal of the some of the border Wall. At least there was talk about that. You never know what's actually happening on the on the border because the media refuses to actually tell us the truth. But the point here is that we've stopped fentanyl at the border in quantities high enough to kill 238 million. I understand that this tweet sounds uh, it's it's not necessarily the best way to say this, but his point is if there's that much fentanyl that's trying to get across the border, um, unless we have a 100% success rate in preventing it, then what does it mean is actually getting through the border? And that's the larger point here, and they know this. It just fits their narrative to say conservatives stupid, we're the wizards of smart, um, who wants to let 238 and enough fentanyl to kill 238 million Americans across the southern border? Representative Andy Biggs, they would say. Conservative voters. These people are so stupid, they're rooting for fentanyl to come in and kill Americans, which is not the point. The point is, the point is that the border is such a chaotic mess right now, again, that we have just... We've been able to stop that much fentanyl. How much more has has gotten by? What are we doing to create a scenario where that much fentanyl is um, is attempting to cross our border? And how much is actually getting in? Are we stopping half? Are we stopping two thirds? Are we stopping one third? Are we stopping ninety percent? I mean, even if you stop ninety percent of this. Even if you stop 90% of this, are we to cheer that enough fentanyl to kill 23 million Americans is being passing through the, the southern border? I think that's that's the question here. But this is this is often, you know, to the radical left, this is one of the things that uh, in the media, this is one of the positions, one of the techniques, one of the strategies they all, they often take, which is they're the smart ones. Conservatives are the idiots. Conservatives, as they would say here, are rooting for fentanyl to come across the border. Of course, Andy Biggs is trying to make a different point here. And I will admit, not necessarily the best way 
possible. But the point remains the same. The point remains the same. We have a situation on the southern border that is largely created by policies of the federal government, by um, action or lack of action, by promoting. I mean, you saw yesterday we talked about DACA, that the positions that this administration, that the Democrat Party has taken uh, with DACA, how they passed, so-called passed DACA, which was through an executive order by Obama, which was supposed to be temporary. Congress was supposed to address this. Congress has been consistent on this. They've never implemented such a policy, but yet this is now considered the only thing to do, the right path to take. And so it's just a, a compilation. And I'm not saying, don't misunderstand me, I'm not saying that DACA has any directly uh, anything directly to do with fentanyl. That's not the point. The point is the border policies and the uh, the way that it is being enforced, the way that they they the Democrat Party, they the media attacked Trump's attempt to secure the southern border as racist and all this sort of nonsense. That now that that party's in control. Now that the most liberal Senate uh, senator in the U.S. Senate, Kamala Harris, is the vice president, now that Biden and some of the things he said, uh, some of the accusations he's made against Trump, some of the things that people are saying when they cross the southern border now, saying that Biden's president and it's a good time to come, catch and release is back in full effect. These things all have all have direct consequences and that's what we're dealing with and it is terrifying to think that um there's enough fentanyl that's been seized at the border and i said last month this last month let that sink in enough fentanyl has been seized at the southern border that would have killed roughly what two-thirds of the of the country if it was allowed to you know um have entered in and would have been distributed equally it would have killed two-thirds of this great nation it's a lot of drugs and that's a dangerous very dangerous drug but this is this is the this i'm reading some of these responses this this is one of the techniques do you get outraged when crimes are prevented someone writes so not the best tweet, but I understand what he's getting at. We have a real problem there. The left would, would rather mock his tweet than actually acknowledge that there is a problem and that these problems need uh, real solutions. So Andy Biggs is just the latest who has uh, had to bear the brunt of the criticism. And again, to a certain degree, I guess, I guess at least some comment is desirable here or I guess expected from the left here. So anyway, there you go. Wanted to share that. I saw this last night, uh, but the headline here really caught me. The headline here, he's, he appears mad that the U.S. Um, intercepted fentanyl at the border. Of course, that's not exactly what he's saying, but then again, when has truth ever been what the left really and truly cares about? It's about positioning. It's about advancing the cause. It's about making your opponents look as idiotic 
and moronic as you possibly can, setting yourselves up as the Wizards of Smart. Of course, you have to be the Wizards of Smart because you hold all answers to all of our country's problems. Everything would be utopian masterpiece on this uh, in this great planet on this great nation in this land if they simply would allow we would allow more liberals to run the show make decisions for us instead of idiots here this is the narrative anyway like like this uh, particular representative so quick timeout isn't or so condescending by the way condescension is is kind of a hallmark of what it means to be a radical leftist It's, it's also kind of found in the way that they talk about uh, the vaccines for people that don't want to take the vaccine. They're actually cheering for people. It's, it's a sick thing, man. It is a sick thing whenever you see uh, cheering, cheering from the radical left when someone who doesn't have the vaccine gets, um, gets COVID-19 and they, they don't do, they, they're not doing well. I mean, there there's literally groups of people that are cheering as though that is, deserved and they of course wouldn't have gotten COVID-19 or it wouldn't have been as extreme they wouldn't be in the hospital if they had gotten the vaccine and so forth but it's just the condescension um the arrogance heck we had some we had someone say something similar to us but anyway timeouts in order plenty of more to get to sit tight you're listening here to the home of conservative not bitter talk I'm your host Todd Huff back here in just a minute friends you probably have seen by now that there are i think i just saw this morning just saw this morning that there are now six texas democrats who have tested positive for covid remember this story they these are democrats from texas they wanted to make a big political scene and this is why i call the radical leftists in congress the dramacrats they first and foremost are kind of like political pawns and actors. They want to create this scenario. They want to create this scene. It's like act two, scene three, Democrats get on plane, leave Austin, fly to Washington, D.C., to escape having to be, uh, you know, the, this scenario that's been set up by the state there, the special session of Congress called by the governor, they fled to protect the rights of the voters. Oh, this they're heroes, absolute heroes. Of course, the problem is there's lots of problems. First and foremost, first and foremost, these jokers are officially, officially fugitives. In fact, you could say that Democrat fugitive leaders, legislators, legislators, I should say, not leaders. This is this should not be um, leader. This is I would not define these folks as being leaders, but they are fugitive leaders from the state of Texas that have created a super spreader event out of an attempt to engage in political theater. Political theater that is always coincidentally or incidentally 
bad political theater. And it just it just brings up some other thoughts I have about maybe some steps that the liberal mayor of the city of D.C. might want to consider doing. Has she considered forcing these Democrats who have attempted to bring COVID-19 to her city? Has she considered quarantining them? Remember, for a while, this was a thing, and it may become a thing again, where if you were coming from a certain part of the country, you were put on into a quarantine. You couldn't, uh, unless you were a Democrat, remember, you, you've always been given a free pass if you were a Democrat politician. You could go out and you could uh, you know, visit certain places of the country for whatever reason, come back. I think it was what John Lewis's funeral you weren't allowed to come and go as you choose. But if it's a political um, event or something that has the approval of the D.C. elite, the liberal elite in the city of D.C., core, uh, COVID protocols never mattered, never mattered. And so you did not have to quarantine upon returning to Washington, D.C. Uh, if attending, just for example, the funeral of uh, of of John uh, John Lewis, which is a, look, I don't like talking about that. It's it's a it's sad. Someone uh, whether they agree or disagree with you passing away, that's not the point. The point is is that if there's something that the political class in D.C. finds appropriate, like if you've gone to a Black Lives Matter rally, that's fine. No, there's articles written about how those are not super spreader events. But I've heard already about the Cuban, uh, the you know American citizens, uh, folks that have immigrated from Cuba down in southern Florida. If they are protesting the Cuban government, then that's been discussed as as well, we, this may be a super spreader event. I mean, it's amazing how COVID knows. COVID knows. There's a song, a country song called "Mama Knows," and I've actually, it's actually thought I thought a couple times about. The similarities or what you could do with a, a little parody song. COVID knows. COVID knows. Sometimes I think it's got a window to my soul. COVID knows. That's the way that this um, that that these politicians treat this. So I wonder if she would have considered quarantining these folks. Maybe the travel the, the city should ban travel from radical leftist politicians. Maybe they should do that. Maybe they should say that radical leftist politicians are fitting the profile of people who are haphazardly trying to spread COVID. They're maskless on an airplane. I thought we were supposed to still be wearing masks on an airplane. An airplane. Do these folks follow any, any of their own rules? Do they follow a single rule that they set for themselves? Well, they set them for everybody else. Right, and this is, I think, one of the biggest problems. One of the biggest problems that we have uh, amongst, I would say, the political class in general, but it's especially true with radical leftist politicians. Rules are set for you. Rules are set for me. They, of course, they of course are important enough or have particular reasons as to why they should be allowed to break those rules. For example, Nancy Pelosi during COVID, can tell you, can tell me that we shouldn't leave our home, that we should be in the duck and cover position, that we should not go outside, probably not even look out the window. 
but yet she can go and get her hair done before the uh, before the uh, the orders have been lifted. Right? This is how this is how this works when people who want to go and talk about the dangers of emissions as it pertains to climate change, they jet in many cases all around the world, quite literally on private jets. They have an excuse to do this. Al Gore is one example. He has multiple homes. His carbon footprint is enormous when factored into the way that they calculate your carbon footprint and my carbon footprint. But yet Al Gore is it's not a big deal because, hey, this guy's out here fighting the cause. He's fighting for the cause. You know, you got to get – how's this guy going to get around the world to share the message that's necessary for all of us, for all the world to hear about about climate change if he's not using a private jet? I mean, Todd, you're just not being practical to expect this guy to jump on a makeshift raft. Uh, kind of like how – I will say this, like Greta Thornburg, I mean, she at least is is being committed – uh, to her cause, at least for the the optics of it, I'm not saying that it's again a real thing. It may be, I, but she actually uh, tries to to travel in such a way that reflects the message that she is is carrying to people, taking to people. Al Gore and most of these other leftists are jetting all over the place, and then if forced into a corner to actually have to answer the question, which they're normally not, because it's you know, the, the radical leftists in the media are not going to hold them to be accountable for their hypocrisy. But in the case that they are, in the case that they are actually asked the question, they have excuses for it. Well, how am I supposed to get here? How am I supposed to carry this message? How am I supposed to get from point A to point B? I've got a lot of people I got to talk to about this, and I've got to get there the best way possible, and the best way possible is for me to use my private jet. Okay, then why can the rest of us not? Is there no one else in the world who could say the same exact thing about his job or her business travels? Is that not allowed? Of course not. Unless they're a big donor or someone that's running for office one day. But the hypocrisy here is is awfully, awfully rich. Maskless on an airplane. And I'm my other question is are they are they not Vaccinated? Surely they're all vaccinated. I bet if we go and we got the names of these Texas legislators, if we went through and you know scrolled through their Twitter profile, they probably have somewhere in that feed a picture of them getting vaccinated, right? Holding up their vaccine ID or picture of the needle going into their arm, whatever it is that people do for these sorts of things. I'm sure we'll find those on their on their Twitter timeline or on a Facebook post or somewhere, right? I'm sure it exists, but now they have, they have COVID. We heard that Kamala Harris was in close proximity meeting with these, these heroes, these hero Democrat legislators from the state of Texas who fled so that they were not forced to vote on a bill that would take away the rights take away the rights of people voting in the state of Texas, which is complete hooey, by the way. This this entire thing is a charade. This entire issue of these Democrats leaving the state as a result of their bad political theater, they created a 
micro super spreader event. We got microaggressions that we all have to be aware of in our day-to-day life. Are you being microaggressive out there today? Well, they're being they're being micro super spreaders because they are trying to conduct bad political theater as dramacrats. And you can you can bet the bank if this was a bunch of Republicans, which it wouldn't be because Republicans don't don't do this. We had something here in the state of Indiana where the Democrats a few years ago fled. I say a few years. It might be more than a few. But I remember they fled to the state of Illinois to avoid voting on a particular bill or something that was coming up on the agenda or some such. I don't even remember. I could, If I sat down, I could probably remember, but it just hit me as I'm saying this. This is this is one of the strategies of the radical left. This, I guess, is what we would say is defending democracy, making sure that duly elected representatives don't actually have to do their job as according to according to the law and according to the state's constitutions. These dramacrats can flee the state, refusing to follow clearly uh, defined rules, and they have, you know. There's a certain set procedure. They're violating the law. They are fugitives, (laughs) technically fugitives, on the run, on the wrong side of the law. Now they're spreading COVID-19. But it doesn't matter. If the shoe were on the other foot, though, this would be be front-page news. Republicans are spreading COVID-19, acting irresponsibly. They should know better. It's probably because somebody there isn't vaccinated it might be because someone's race it might be a racist act they're trying to take covid-19 to a a person a, a particular part of the country where there's another sort of a uh, higher percentage of minorities this is the way that news is reported so-called news is reported from the the mouths and the typewriter or the typewriter the, the keyboards of the of the radical left what am i thinking it's 1980s are over, Todd. But this is how it's done. This is how these folks report. No big deal if the Democrats, excuse me, the Dramacrats do it. But again, super spreader event created, created, micro super spreader event because they desire so much to conduct bad political theater. And it doesn't matter the consequences because they're Democrats even exposing the vice president of the United States. So timeout is in order. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. my friends. By the way, this program brought to you in part by our friends at Workforce Chaplains. Workforce Chaplains, I tell you, one of the things I love about what we do here is I I get to meet some really interesting people who are doing some really cool things. And one of those is Marcus, Marcus Schrader, who runs Workforce Chaplains here uh, locally, but they've got, um, they're actually, they provide services um, not just here as well, but they provide uh, to businesses the opportunity for uh, chaplaincy services to their 
to their employees. And there's a whole host of services and benefits. You can check them out, Workforce Chaplains, with an S, workforcechaplains.com. And um, we're proud to have them as part of this program. Again, I think it's, I just love some of these ideas and what people are doing. And I get to meet some really interesting folks. In fact, today, today I'm going to be, you may have heard on this program, a podcast that's being uh, called the Homeboys Podcast. Homeboys Podcast. I'm going to travel up to sit down with Clint and, uh, and Scott a little bit later today. And we are going to, I'm going to be on the podcast, which I love, you know, and this is maybe it's, it's so different from having to come prepared, knowing what I want to talk about and have things, you know, lined up and different stories. And again, it's not scripted. The show's not scripted, but uh, it's different than just having a conversation when, you know, answering questions just to see where this, uh, the conversation kind of goes organically, as they would say. So I always enjoy doing this. So we'll share that. And I'll be sure to share that podcast with you if you want to check it out. These guys are great guys, and I really enjoy, um, really enjoy the people that we meet. I truly do. We're, we're blessed in that sense. I want to share this with you as well. You may have seen, this is in the postmillennial.com. Headline here, families of 9-11 victims slammed Democrats for saying January 6th riot was worse. People saying the January 6th riot was worse than 9-11. And now some may not have said it's worse. Others have compared the two, the January 6th riot or as they would say what the coup attempt or whatever what happened on January January 6th which I've I've shared my thoughts in fact some of you don't necessarily agree some people think that if the election was stolen that those actions um, were justifiable so but I've 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 shared my my thoughts on on that um actually I got I got thoughts on on that response, but I don't want to get into that. I want to stick on this, on this comparison. So I know there's a lot of people. In fact, when we get to nine 11, which by the way, nine 11, this, this year will mark 20 years, 20 years since that tragic day. And if you were an adult or even, even a young, younger child, not, not so young, you don't remember anything, you know, like you were, a toddler or something, but if you were in school, um, you probably remember where you were. Definitely, if you were in high school or an adult, you remember where you were when you heard the news. I remember distinctively that I was passing, actually, ironically, the Indianapolis International Airport on I seventy back before they did the construction, where you you know the, the roads were shifted a little bit. You you could see the airport pretty clearly, and as I was driving by, I remember hearing that a plane had crashed into the World Trade Center. And at first, it, I, in fact, I think the radio was even saying that they thought it was a, a small aircraft. And that's kind of where that started. But I remember, you remember that. And we remember that because it was it was so much to comprehend and, and to watch the news reports in real time, to watch those towers collapse, to watch the days and the weeks 
and the months and the years after 9-11, watching that city try to rebuild, trying to, to find survivors, trying to remove the rubble, right, to eventually build freedom, uh, the Freedom Tower, um, to, to build the monuments there, which is just, I, I think, an absolutely, it's a, it's a beautiful monument there at Ground Zero, that sacred ground where thousands of people lost their lives because of radical Islamic terrorists who wanted to kill anyone that did not embrace the same worldview, the same religion as them, and they thought that they were justified in doing so. So crashing aircraft into the World Trade Centers for some leftists today is being compared to the tragedies uh, and and the just the chaos and what happened on on 9/11 and of course it wasn't just the world trade towers which were terrible enough I'm not minimizing but it also was the pentagon it also was headed towards the US capitol building flight 93 was headed that direction so we had Washington DC under attack as well almost 20 years ago as we're moving towards uh, the 20 year mark of 9/11 some leftists are comparing it's it's insane it is truly insane you know i would not be i it just it goes to show how much politics blinds logic it, folks want to make political points score political points um this is something that they you know again the left and the Democrat Party and the media know that if the Democrats have to run on what they've, in 2022, on what they've accomplished, they're going to be in for a complete rude awakening here in the midterms. They have nothing that they've accomplished. It's an unmitigated disaster on the southern border. We've touched on that. They're, the The labor shortage, I mean, I could go on and on. I mean, there's, what good has happened since... The radical left has walked, you know, walked into power here. There's nothing demonstrably better. Everything that they were handed has gotten worse. Tensions around the world are increasing, right? I thought the world was supposed to love us now because Trump wasn't president. Turns out it's not that simple, is it? Radical leftists. And so, so they got to come up with something and they've got to remind us that well, they want to hammer home the point that the Republicans and conservatives are here to try to overthrow the government, which is complete bonk, complete and utter nonsense. But nonetheless, this gives them a platform to do that. So they have to make it sound as dramatic as possible. I want to read after the break from this post-millennial report some people who were um, who had direct connections to 9-11, and we all do in one way, but folks that lost family members, uh, that sort of thing, what they're having to say about the comparison of January 6th to 9-11. It's, it's really a shame. That's really completely inexcusable and for pure political consumption. Got to take a break. Sit tight. Listen to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Welcome back. 
back. So talking about some of these responses from people who lost family members in the events of 9-11. Jim Riches, retired New York uh, deputy fire chief, who lost his son, who was a firefighter on 9-11, says this to the folks who are comparing 9-11 with January 6th. Are they kidding me? 3,000 people died, plus we have more people dying from the air that was down there. They're comparing it to score points politically. The families are really angry. When I talk to them, when they compare it to that, they find that outrageous. Deborah Burlingame's, um, Burlingame, her brother was a pilot flying the hijacked American Airlines Flight 77, the one that crashed into the Pentagon on 9-11. She says this, there are a lot of young people who have no living memory of 9-11. When you have all these comparisons and analogies, which are inflated and ridiculous, it minimizes what actually happened. And that's what's happening here. It's a deliberate ploy. That's what she wrote in an op-ed at the Wall Street Journal at the end of May. Joe Connor, his cousin Stephen Schlag, died in the World Trade Center. Mr. Connor um, says this, they just dehumanize our families for political gain. I guess they call it gaslighting. They can say these things that will make people believe that these riots were worse than the worst thing that ever uh, that happened on American soil. Either they're ignorant or they're just really devious and clever, and you can put nothing past them because if you're willing to lie to that degree, it's, it's a disturbing trend to me. It is disturbing, but it's what they do. It's what they do. The Dramacrats, it's how they behave. Quick timeout back here in just a minute. Welcome back. Not much time here, but I do want to say the the individual who actually is convinced that January 6th was a thousand percent worse than 9-11, not just slightly, not just comparable, but a thousand percent worse than 9-11 is um, some joker that's uh, what the White House correspondent at the Huffington Post. I think he pronounced his name S.V. Date. I don't know. D-A-T-E with a little accent over the A. He just is perplexed as to why the rest of us can't see that January 6th was a thousand percent worse than 9-11. This is not serious. This is not serious commentary. This guy should just hand in his credentials. And what's he commentating for anyways? He's supposed to be a journalist. So much to talk about here. I get to go. Thanks for listening. SCGC tomorrow. Take care. Family.